0: If your cat sits on my lap, I'm gonna get really happy.
1: Well, anything is possible. Leo probably would. I'm not sure Nellie would, but. Um, I also,
0: I smell like my cat, so they're probably like, who like, is what's she? Going
1: on. You know, I've got a really funny cat story really quickly. Um, first of all, welcome. Thank you. To the Tower Facing Spiritual Spiral podcast. Thanks. Ray, I, it's Sharfman. Mm
0: hmm. Yeah.
1: Ray Sharfman. Cool. I was gonna. I don't know why I was thinking your last name was something else all of a sudden. And Ray Sharfman. <laughs> thank you so much for making your way to Thanks the studio. Thanks for having me over here. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you. I took a break from talking about yoga for a little while. I was burning out on yoga, um, so now I'm I'm ready to talk about yoga again. But my really quick cat story because I know how much you love cats. Um, just recently, like if I'm doing yoga at home or if I'm on the couch watching television, Nelly the orange cat will actually like if I'm in shavasana on the ground or just like my arms are open and I, I wear tank tops at home and I'm like doing yoga and stuff, she's been licking my armpits recently. <laughs> I know so cute I, so I when <laughs> I went online to see if this is just insane, and I guess it's the pheromones and the scent and
0: and it's hairy yes, she, she probably thinks she's cleaning she you. Likes that.
1: <laughs> Disgusting, right? But adorable too. But it. So great. <laughs> that is that's amazing. Do you, do you, look, give me a disgusting cat story. Um Well, actually, I shouldn't even say disgusting because you actually thought it was really like cute and charming.
0: I don't think many things are disgusting. Okay. I think when you touch sweaty people for a living, things get less gross real yeah, quick. Yeah. Um, but my cat, she knows immediately when I'm done having sex, like Within five seconds, and she jumps up on the bed and starts licking us.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Um,
0: and she just, like, she just, know, like, literally within five to 15 seconds of me being done with whoever I'm having sex with, she's, right. like,
1: there. She's just like, okay, now I can... Now your hands I, can do I, their real use. We, yeah. could, we can celebrate that moment together. Yes, exactly. <laughs> he or she, is it a boy or a girl? It's a girl. It's a girl. So she's jumping on the bed, just, you know... um, sharing the revelry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now that you're done, can I eat, please? <laughs> well, um, boy, I don't know how to follow up that story. <laughs> so <The> yoga, <laughs> exactly. Well, welcome to the show. Um, there's a lot that I want to talk about, obviously, you know, we're probably gonna be talking about yoga and social media, because that's sort of first of all, you're, you're a yoga teacher. And, you, you know, I am also and I'm sort of become obsessed with the weird impact of social media. And that's sort of what the podcast is about. And if you hear weird noises, there are some cats for now in the studio. I've left the door open. I, I've actually closed the door for like the last eight weeks whenever I do an interview. And
0: clearly, so, they, want the so clearly <laughs> they
1: want to be on the show. Clearly, they want to be on the show. You... So you're a yoga teacher. Mm-hmm. And is, I guess I I told the story when Eric was on, but I'll be really quick. I think it's kind of funny how we met. Don't you think it is? Yeah, yeah. Um, we both... Tried out for the Y Seven, um, becoming a teacher at Y Seven.
0: Well, we have to back up.
1: Well, I'm going to back up. Okay. All right. No, I, I will. But believe me, you can tell your story as well. But it's so, I, well, here I'll share part of it, and then you can continue. So we're at the train, or we're at the at the rehearsal, or what? Not the rehearsal. What's the word?
0: Um, um, the demo, the audition, the
1: audition. And um, we both sit down, and I look to my left, and there you are, um, sitting right next to me. And you had pink hair at the time. Do you still have pink hair? I can't tell. It's sort of it's dark in hair. orange,
0: purple, and blue. Okay, well, it's not normal. <laughs> okay.
1: So you had pink hair. And, well, I introduced myself. And I said, you know, hi, I'm Eddie. And then you said, you're Ray. And then I kind of took a pause for a second because I remembered somebody on Instagram with pink hair named Ray had recently followed me like in the last month or two. And Leo, you're going to have to be quiet or this is not going to work. Um, there we go. So, um, yeah, I, I, I was like, wait a second. I think you follow me on Instagram and then continue.
0: Um, so I was uh, very excited. my cat had been in the hospital all weekend. It had been like such a shitty weekend for me. I was like, I I don't even know how I can do this demo. And I walked in, and there's Eddie. And Eddie's Instagram. If you guys don't follow it, you have to follow it. It's hilarious. Well,
1: thank um, you. So. I kind of stopped recently with the quotes. I've been I've been promoting more, like uh, just about the podcast. And what's interesting though, I've actually asked a few other yoga teachers to come on the show recently and they've politely said no uh, well they haven't really direct- directly said no but I've I've come to find out through like word of mouth and things that there are people out there that find my Instagram and like who I am mm-hmm. to be quite negative and I, I don't know if they're just like not getting it my jokes or it's not yoga to sort of like be the way i am right now with my sort of sarcastic thing but i i like really appreciated the fact that you actually really think it's funny and you get this the sense of humor to it all and i remember walking out of the studio at y7 and you're literally like telling everybody in the lobby to to follow me on instagram because it's so funny so it really um I don't know. I, I just really appreciate. I love the fact that you thought it was so. That you think it's so funny. I
0: think it's great. Yeah, my partner and I screenshot your funny posts and send it to each other. We're like, did you see Eddie's post <laughs> before really I awesome. even met you?
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so you were kind of this enigma in my mind. <laughs> the people that think that your Instagram is um, disingenuous or uncomfortable, they're just not being honest with themselves because. Any person who teaches yoga knows that Instagram is just kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Like the idea, people are on Instagram, and so that's kind of how we have to market ourselves right now. We have to share our gifts with the world, and we have to let the world know we have these gifts, and everyone's on Instagram, and so it's just a good medium to share things. But it's kind of fucking ridiculous at the same time, because yeah. we all know that yoga's not about the poses, we all know that it's not about the looks, but... Right now, the way to get people in the door is by showing a photo of you doing a handstand. And people are going to be like, I want to learn a handstand. I'm going to come to that class. And then if you can share, if they can, even just through osmosis, take in just like a little bit of spirituality or like good energy in that class, then I think your job is done. But the people who are on Instagram and they think that it's a legitimate way to market yoga, they're just lying to themselves. Right. It's just... We all know it's kind of ridiculous.
1: Yeah. Boy, I I didn't want to dive into social media right right away because I wanted to talk about just how you know taking your class and why I respect you so much, which um, I do Thank and you. we'll we'll talk about that. <laughs> but um yeah, I I've just I've been really I'm trying to figure out. I guess, you know, as you so eloquently said, yoga is clearly not about Instagram. And I get that. Um, you know, people are supposed to market themselves. Hang on, I, I've got to <laughs> Hang on, talk to the talk to everybody, right? Um, <laughs> I, Tell I them what I'm doing <laughs> So
0: this glorious gray cat is whoring for attention and needs to leave. Hi, Leo. <laughs> She is meowing voraciously, So now she's gone. She's been putting a timeout.:
1: <laughs> Yeah, timeout for Leo.: And okay. now, Eddie's back.: So I'm back. Um, when a platform is doing nothing but showing like, pretty photos all the time, and people are doing just extreme postures one after another, you know, I even felt like a year or two ago, like, in order to be a good yoga teacher, I need to hold a handstand. And I think when you keep seeing people doing the gymnastics poses in front of the waterfalls, great body. I mean, it's basically just selling sex. It's not selling mm-hmm. yoga. Yeah. But I do think when I see yoga teachers doing it one after the other, I think they're perpetuating the problem.
0: I would agree. So. I would say that it's there's a, we see a lot more injuries. We see a lot more people coming in saying... Um, I can't do yoga because I can't do X or Y or Z Right. Um, versus like, if you can breathe, you can do yoga. Yeah. You know, it's that simple. Um, Yeah, I do think it's a problem. And I think that um, there's a lot of ego involved with that. But then the flip side is that right now, the way to get people into your classes is by doing that. And so I think you, you kind of have to either sell your soul a little bit and do something that is a little bit fucked up. Am I allowed to swear on this podcast? Sure, yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> I was going to try really hard not to. No, say-
1: Disney is not representing this. As <laughs> a bit, so it's fine. Yeah. Um,
0: it's messed up. It's messed up that, like, you know, people are just like showing off and bragging all the time, but that's how people are walking in the door. And you can, you know, kind of accept that and let that be the way that you get people into the room, or you just really aren't a yoga teacher, at least in LA right now. Um, And it's...
1: That's how I... It's funny. I'm taking Matt Phippen's workshop.
0: Which I do want to hear
1: about. Yeah. Well, I mean, not only... Well, maybe a little bit. But, you know, he... We had this interesting discussion in class last week where we're all going to go through a class together and we're all going to teach a segment of it working towards a peak pose. Mm -hmm. And this woman in class spoke up and she said, you know, why are we all obsessed with peak poses now? Mm -hmm. And I just found it really interesting because I used to take this guy in South Bay who can do almost every imaginable upside-down pose. Mm-hmm. And he's an incredible teacher. He's a great guy. But every most of his classes were about a peak pose. And I can't do any of them, just for a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. And then I started thinking, where did this... I do feel like peak pose, it's like an end goal and beauty and pictures. and it, I don't know. I feel like it all sort of lumps together with this trend of... Beauty, perfection, peak, and where I kind of thought the peak pose was shavasana. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't. Please just tell me more about <laughs> you know what what this what we're talking about. What are you thinking?
0: Um, I have a couple thoughts. So I used to teach to a peak pose because that's kind of what I was told and what a lot of people do. Um, and in the last couple of years, I've really shifted away from that and realized that um, the goal for me when I'm teaching yoga. When I'm teaching a fitness class, which is mostly what I teach, is um, a peak motion or like a a specific theme engaging a certain muscle. Hmm. So you came to one of my classes and the entire theme was engaging the outer hip to level off the hips. So like when... You have, for example, your right leg forward and your left leg backwards in a lunge. The tendency is to have the right hip lift up higher than the left hip. Correct. And when you engage the left hip and the left glute, you can pull it back into alignment. And we explored that shape in Fallen Triangle, which is a variation on side plank. We explored that in um, Parangustasana, which is like holding the leg out in front and bringing mm-hmm. it out to the side. Um, and I've kind of realized that like... If I can teach a person to engage a muscle group, they're going to have less pain as they're going about their life and their yoga practice because now they know more about their body. Um, And so my goal is to help people know more about their body and be healthier um, versus teaching to a peak pose, which is like achieving what what we were talking about, like this sick idea that you have to be able to do these poses to be good at yoga. Yeah. Um, So I'm kind of at a place where I think it's occasionally I'll teach to a peak sequence, but I think it's the mark of a not good teacher if they're always doing peak poses. Hmm. I think it's just someone that hasn't really thought out what they're offering. Do you know about the window of tolerance? No. So in terms of your nervous system, you can be in a state of activation, right, which would be like you're everyone in l a yeah <laughs> you know you're in a state of activation, and then hypoactivation, um, which is underneath what's called your window of tolerance, would be like everyone at a retirement home like mm. there're just not a lot is happening um, and so we want to live in the window of tolerance like we don't want to be in an activated nervous system or a deactivated nervous system. Um, and so, when you get people in yoga, what happens is you get both sides of the spectrum, right? right? You get the person that's like, I'm gonna do 20 push ups in Chaturanga. And you get the person that's just like picking at their toenail polish and like staring at the corner of their mat. Right. Um, and so, the goal is to get them on the same mountain and get them mm. going up to that peak. And then back down. So the class starts um, kind of where the person below the the window of tolerance is, where everyone's relaxed and the person who's above it really, really struggles. And then when you get them um starting to build, it's really it takes a long time to get the person who's hypoactivated up into the flow, and the person who's hyperactivated is just loving it. And they're like, <laughs> right. they're going after it. Interesting. Um yeah. and then you hit this peak, which is like right below the um state where you get into Mm hyperactivation, right? Like we don't want to send somebody and make them struggle so much that they go out of their window of tolerance, but they're like, they're activated. They're really working. And then we slowly want to get back down, but we don't go like all the way back. We kind of hit right in between the window of tolerance. Is that, is this making sense? Yeah, it is making sense. I'm making hand gestures and I know that
1: nobody can see (laughs) that. Yeah, but somehow it's (laughs) making sense.
0: And so Shavasana is, it's right in the middle of our nervous system where we're aware present and of course there's this person Shavasana who's snoring and then there's the person Shavasana who's like doing uh, you know shoulder stand and or whatever they're doing Um, and then we want to you know integrate people back into class because oftentimes people will get to a state way below the window of tolerance and they're just so out of it. They're hypoactivated and they're like basically walking into cars when they try to cross the street and like, there's not a lot of integration that happens, which is it's I think a disservice to people. Um, But usually the people who were hypoactivated at the end of the class are just going to, they're going to go back to hypoactivation even though you kind of got them a little bit higher and then like the people that are hyperactivated, you right. know, they're probably like more relaxed, but then they're going to have an espresso and get on the 405 and be pissed off about traffic. And then they're right back to their state.
1: Well, I have this theory that, that yoga actually is completely temporary. And you actually, I mean, I don't want to say that it doesn't work, but um, in order for it I mean, I just feel like it takes a long, like, I feel like we have tendencies, natural tendencies, that we're just who we are. And no matter how many yoga classes you go to, how many times you meditate, you're still kind of who you are.
0: I agree. (laughs) It's like genetics,
1: just you can't beat the power of anxiety or genetics. And you're just sort of, I mean, at least you have that hour where you can, like, come closer to whatever you need yoga for. But then you walk out and you're sort of Back to the crazed state that you were when you walked in.
0: You know, I've actually been teaching this in my <laughs> classes in the last couple of weeks. That like it's so we want to be in that yoga state. Like if we're talking about ideals, we want to just be present, calm, um, not in a state of anxiety. But the truth of the matter is, like we're anxious for a reason. Like yeah. there's a reason. Whether it has to do with how you grew up or um, like the relationship you're in or your job, anxiety is a perfect example. But anger, frustration, plenty of other emotions and problems that, you know, we come to yoga to like release. Um we need those in the world.
1: Right. Um, yeah, so yeah, okay.
0: So if we're like walking around in this like present active state of the yogic mind like we all know that person and they're a fucking idiot. They're the person <laughs> that carries around crystals and they think that they can heal like giardia with their crystals. Yeah. You
1: know, <laughs> like, But this is very anti-yoga what you're saying, but I I I respect it because this is the this is my issue with Instagram and, and very often with yoga teachers where it's just about being positive. Mm-hmm. We are ignoring, you know, Instagram and Facebook. All you can do is like something. That is all you can do. You can only like something, and you can comment negatively, you know. But then that opens up a whole other can of worms because then you're having an argument via social media.
0: Such a cop out. But I think you said it right. Like yoga is the break. Yoga is the moment where we just kind of like get in our bodies, we get back to that state. And even though we know we're going to have to come back to this anxiety and deal Mm. with it at some point, like we're able to call, like, we just like check our baggage at the door, you know, with the front desk people. And then we go into the room and then we come back and we pick up our baggage and we just have a break without that heaviness. Right. Um, And a lot of the like people that you, that I know that teach yoga that are happy all the time, they're fucking drug addicts. Yeah. You know, like... I know a teacher and I saw her at like 4 a.m. Saturday night just like rolling out of her mind. I don't know how drunk she was. And I'm just like, you don't sit with your feelings, you know? And so uh, uh, yoga does a lot of people a disservice, especially when they're told that they have to be perfect. And it's a problem with Instagram because like oh, yeah. you can take a million pictures and edit them to make them perfect.
1: And then you post like the perfect little quote and have this and everything like, you know, everything. I just think it creates just so many falsehoods going on. Uh, we're elevating yoga teachers to sort of this God like sort of mm-hmm. status. Yeah. So the thing that I really re- I've taken your class a couple times and I like that you're clearly really knowledge- knowledgeable about the body. You seem very confident. Um, You're also like a real person. There's no like yoga talk in the sense that you don't have like that sort of robotic yoga voice going on. And I got the sense that there's like, there's just a playfulness to you. Um, You don't take yourself too seriously. There's no ego. So all the things that sort of I was getting turned off by, by certain yoga teachers, that's why I respect you because you don't exude any of those qualities.
0: Well, thank you. Yeah. Um, I, it's interesting that you say that because, uh. Long story short, some teachers at some of the stu- a studio that I work at, one of them tried to get me fired by emailing the owner and saying that I teach from a complete place of ego and I know nothing about yoga. Um, wow. And so it was really helpful for me that you came into my life and said that to me. So thank you. Yeah. Because I was like, maybe I do teach from a complete place of ego. Um, I,
1: would, I, would have to- I would have never had you on the show. I wouldn't have come back to your class. I wouldn't have called you and been like, hey, I need some help or some advice you don't exude those qualities at all thank you at least that...
0: um, i don't think i do either yeah um and i have worked hard to develop my voice and i've recorded myself teaching classes mm. and listened to it and it's one of the more painful experiences i've had to yeah. go through um in terms of like cringing um but it was really good for me really good for me um And I I do think that I know a lot about yoga. I was just updating my resume today, and I have like 10 teacher trainings on it at this point, Yeah, um, which is like absurd.
1: Well, you're, I mean, tell me everything, like tell me, um, you told me a couple months ago, but just tell me all the trainings you've done. Like, where did you start? (sighs)
0: Oh, where did I start? (laughs) Um, So I started in Darien, Connecticut, um, a studio called Elements that's now closed. And I did a weekend training yoga for anatomy, or anatomy for yoga. Um, And it was with a guy, Martin Kirk, who has a couple books. Um, and it was great. And he travels around and does like, the weekends of teacher trainings, the anatomy weekends, mm-hmm. and he was doing it there. Um, and then a uh, couple weeks after that, I uh, moved to Santa Fe, New Mexico. And I did my um, 200-hour I mean, I there okay. um, at Body of Santa Fe, which was just transformative for me. Um, my dad had just died. I was just like, I needed, I needed that. And it was great. Um, and then... From there, I moved to uh, Prescott, Arizona. I I moved back for college. Um, And I went to a school where you made up your own degree. You made up your own uh, assignments. What school is this? (laughs) Uh, It's called Prescott College.
1: Okay. Sounds like a dream. It was a dream, (laughs) but it's just
0: a joke, too. So I didn't stay. I only stayed for like a year and a half. Okay. Um, But I decided I wanted to study yoga um, and adventure education. So I did like rock climbing courses, but all of my... um, final exams i got to make up what i did for the final project so i would like design yoga rock climbing courses Hmm. you know and make programs um, or teach the class yoga stuff like that um so that was uh more and, and i did a lot of studying of yoga on my own for that let's see and then i moved to california and i had some other moves in there. But yeah. I ended up in California and <clears throat> I took the Wanderlust 75 Hour, The Art of Teaching, back when it was still um, Chad Dennis and Jen Perry and Skylar Grant. Okay. Um, and then I took um, a Rad Rollers. They do like rollerballs and stuff. They have a workshop that they teach teachers how to teach... Using their props, um, their own like balls and rods and foam rollers and stuff like that. Right. Um, and then I took uh, a teacher immersion at Yoga at the Raven, which was mostly anatomy and some spirituality thrown in. Okay. Um, and that was good. And then, oh man, I feel like I'm leaving a couple out. I took, yeah, well, You've done a lot. Um, I've done a lot of trauma and. And I think it's actually training.
1: cool that you've done, just different, you know, you've, you've had different voices. Yeah. I think it's funny. I did my training with Tamal, my 200, and then he was doing a 300 in Costa Rica coming up, and I was really close to going. But then I thought, you know, I need a different voice. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important um, as a teacher um, to not just do your training at one studio. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. That's just my opinion. But yeah. I, I think it probably helps you sort of take all of these elements and then create your own thing.
0: And mostly realize that, you know, there's no perfect way to do yoga. Yeah. Because um, I have had a lot of teachers say, do not under any circumstance do this. And then I would say to my students and then I learned more about anatomy and I was like, that is utter BS. Yeah. Like that's actually the opposite of, one of what I want to be teaching. Yeah. Um. Because not everybody knows everything. Right. And you kind of have to... I mean you have to realize first that your teacher is not a god. Your teacher may be channeling the divine, but your teacher is not a god. Um, and your teacher is fallible and that you have to seek out the truth for yourself. Um
1: You just started sounding like a yoga teacher there for a second. <laughs> okay.
0: I get I get into moments of the yoga teacher voice. Yeah. It happens. Um it happens what to all. What did you of mean
1: us. though that he's he or she's not a god but he's a something of the divine?
0: A channeling. So um one of my teachers told this to me, and I really think that it's true. And as you talked about the mistaking your teacher for being a god or an Instagram person or even yourself, to me it's it's like I, I can be a channel for energy, divine energy from the universe. And if I am in my body and in the right place when I'm teaching, I think that part of the divine is speaking through me. Part of it is mm. me and my ego and my mind and my knowledge about yoga. And then part of it is some other out there ethereal being um or spirit that is in my body while i'm teaching and when people like feel that spiritual connection in yoga i know that that's not my ego i know that if that's happening that's because i was able to open myself up and channel the divine that day And I think for the teacher, it gets confusing because as that energy is flowing through and you are bringing it into the room, you take on some of it yourself, which is great and awesome, which is, I think, part of the reason why yoga teachers feel so good after a class. Yeah, you're right. Um, But if you think it's you, then I think that's the problem. Interesting. Um, That like, it's partly you, like, I think we're all divine beings, but like you are not able to create a spiritual experience for anybody else and if they happen to have one in your class then good on you for making a space where that could be possible but don't pretend i i just i know a couple of people that uh make people call them their gurus you know it's just like yeah. it's and that's i think that's a real problem
1: yeah what's it like teaching you teach at y7 you teach at wanderlust mm-hmm. to you know pretty popular studios out here mm-hmm. um, those are your, those that's where you teach now
0: um, I also teach for a goat yoga company and I teach at a rehab center okay um, and I'm about to start doing battered women's shelters too so
1: wow yeah well what's it like teaching um, in LA I just I feel like and I'm asking that because well it's just you know i'll say that there's a performance aspect to teaching yoga Mm -hmm. and it's it's funny to me Um, i mean look i'm a dj i'm a musician i'm a singer so you know i'm I'm pretty comfortable being in front of people so that Mm -hmm. part of being a teacher has always been pretty easy to me Mm -hmm. um but i do get the sense the the actors the models the the failed actors especially in this city um end up teaching yoga and
0: really anyone that didn't get enough attention.
1: Yeah, that's, well, that's the thing that's, you know, and this comes back to Instagram and, um, you know, instead of getting attention in real life, um, they're, they're getting attention from Instagram and then people that are models, actors that didn't get the gig, you know, a lot of that type of person, those types of people, End up becoming yoga teachers in this city. It's just a fact. Um, it's
0: just so easy to get certified.
1: Yeah, really. Yeah, it really yeah. is.
0: And if you're hot enough and you know the right people, then you can become a teacher. But that's
1: the thing. Also, I do feel like a lot of studios out here just you know hire good looking people, and and that's mm-hmm. sort of like the pre. That's what they care about more than anything. Um, so, with all that being said, <laughs> um, yeah, again, I that's another reason why I was so. Just thankful that it was so cool to meet you the way that I did. And then to take your class. And I was like, holy shit, You're somebody who knows what she's talking about. She sort of represents all the things that I want in a yoga teacher. And I just was really stoked by it. And because of what's happening out here in LA, Instagram, and people paying attention to really things that don't matter. So anyway, what is it like for you teaching out here in the city? And you teach at Y7 and Monterlas and, you know, they're very busy and they're pretty popular. Mm-hmm. So what's it like for you? I hate it. Yeah.
0: I despise teaching here.
1: You're you're obviously <laughs> being serious. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah.
0: It's horrible. Um, It's absolutely awful. And I have had a lot of success in LA. Yeah, you have. I've worked really hard for it. And it's not everything it's cracked up to be. I mean, just all the driving you have to do. And it takes so long to get jobs here. And I've taught in five states. And this is, I think, the hardest place, at least in this country, if not in the world, to be a yoga teacher. The expenses of living, it's just such high living expenses. Um, it's physically exhausting to teach that much and you get paid nothing. Yeah. I mean, it's absurd how little you get paid. Um, even at like, I get paid the least at Wanderlust, which is the biggest studio. And I get yeah. paid like nothing there. Um Almost below minimum wage for the yeah. amount of time that it takes me to like plan my classes. Well,
1: the place is fucking beautiful, so yeah. I mean they must have <laughs> really high rents. They do. Probably, it's that's... it's
0: a very they have a lot of overhead. Yeah. Um, I love Matt and You mentioned his training, and he's yes. great. Um, and he you know gets paid to lead a bunch of these trainings, and so he gets that supplemental income. Right. Um, but I don't really want to have to put in my work to. To do that. Well,
1: do you want to get like, would you want to do privates or, or retreats? Could, um... Um, so
0: it's interesting. I feel like you have to find a niche. Um, yeah. Just teaching group classes is not sustainable forever. No. I have a couple different things that I have like kind of considered as a niche, and I've come to uh, wanting to help people with trauma. Hmm. Um, and I can do like privates and I can do um, mental institutions. Um, but I i was just listening to a business seminar about about yoga and finding your niche. And your clientele is who you were before you had yoga. And hmm. so your clientele are the people that like, for me, have a lot of trauma in their past and in their childhood. And so what I have learned to help me in that healing process, that's what I want to take to the world and that's what I want to do. So um, like for somebody who has anxiety um, and then they teach yoga and then yoga helped them become less anxious. Their perfect client is somebody who has anxiety because like they know, you know, how to heal and it becomes Mm. not just about yoga. It becomes about all the other things in your life that have helped you deal with anxiety or for me trauma. Um, And so my niche where I want to go with this is trauma informed yoga Right. Um, and helping people in a more holistic way than just yoga heal because yoga is the medium if that makes sense because there's so much we can do yeah. with yoga just you can paint whatever you want with with
1: it right we'll end um, about Instagram but I want to backtrack where are you from?
0: Um, I grew up in Boston.
1: You grew up in Boston. Yes. And then I you. How, so why did you go to Connecticut? Or because that's because you sort of talked about Darien is is sort of like where your first yeah. experience with yoga.
0: Um. This is a I'll make it as condensed as
1: I yeah, can. Yeah, like the cliff note version.
0: <laughs> so um. Yeah, I was born in Boston. And, um, when I was 14, my parents thought that that was the age where I was allowed to travel on my own. So I'd take the bus to New York every weekend, almost every weekend. And I would like stay at a hostel or just stay up all night or stay at my uncle's house. And, um, I wasn't, I was just like, you know, hopping around museums, but I always like traveled and did my own thing. Um wait, wait, I, why were
1: they telling you to travel like were they, they telling
0: th- that was the age where it was okay. okay. They just didn't really say anything when I said I'm going to New York for the <laughs> Oh, okay, got it. Um they were laissez-faire in a lot of ways. Okay. Um I graduated high school early and had what I call my vagrant years where I had a backpack and a guitar. Um and I just traveled around like Europe, Hawaii, the Caribbean. Um I spent some time in California. I Went to college for a semester. I didn't know if it was for me. Where was this? Um, this was in Prescott, Arizona. Okay. Um, and then I went back home. My father died um, like a couple weeks after I'd gotten home. This
1: was in Boston. Um, this
0: was in Boston. And um, I stayed with my mom to help her out for a little while in the transition. And then I went to, um, I have family in Connecticut. Okay. Um, so that's kind of how the Connecticut ended up in there. Um, I went back to, or I went to New Mexico, took my teacher training.
1: So what you went to, you were in Connecticut, you, you sort of vibe with this yoga studio, did the quick sort of,
0: um, someone had recommended it to me.
1: Were you into yoga before that or, or just you a just... little
0: bit in my vagrant years. So I guess I really started yoga when I was 17. I was living in Hawaii. Um, just, you know, doing a lot of things I should not have been yeah, but doing. You were on your own. Um, I was on my own. Yeah. And, um, I just on a whim took a yoga class and I just loved it. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people, I think, have this like grandiose story of how they came into yoga. And I just took this class and thought it was really fun. Yeah. and thought it was great. And I was like, I want to do more of this. And then I got to the point where I was like, I, I want to guide people in this because I think it's so much fun. Um, which is probably also why I sound different as a teacher. And I have a different like goal in yoga than most teachers. Yoga can do a lot of things for people. Um, but... I have two personal guiding stars in my life. The first is, am I being Ray? Like, am I being authentically me, or am I trying to be somebody else? Right. Um, and am I having fun? Those are my only two purposes in life, hmm. to be Ray and have fun. Um, and so doing yoga is just really fun. And and there's other sides of that, you know, not having pain in my back is fun.
1: Sure, So learning
0: yeah. about that is fun for me. So, yeah, I... I took that class in Hawaii and I was like the hypermobile person that was like throwing out their arm and triangle and she kept running over me and adjusting me. She was not happy with me um, by the end of class, Um, but I really enjoyed it. And so that's why I stuck with it.
1: And even that early, you were sort of thinking about the idea of actually teaching.
0: When I turned 18, I was like, okay, yeah, this is something I think I could see wow. myself doing. I was a gymnast when I was a kid. And to help uh, pay for it, I would assistant coach at the gym um, for the little kids. And right. so I, teaching people movement is not something that's new for me.
1: Okay, so you're you're in Hawaii, but then you went back to Boston because your father passed away.
0: And, and- then I moved to... Uh, <laughs> this is where it gets really hairy. I moved to New Mexico... Oh, right. Did my teacher training. So
1: but why'd you move to New Mexico? Just...
0: Um so I was dating somebody my first semester of college and okay. they were gonna move to New Mexico. Got it. And then I wanted to do a teacher training and there just happened to be one that somebody recommended. Okay, cool.
1: So that like worked um, out. So that
0: worked out and <coughs> I was kinda on again off again with the guy and I thankfully kicked him to the curb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... <laughs> not
1: literally, hopefully, but yeah. <laughs> no. Okay, good. Not literally. <laughs> um...
0: um but that was that was a great teacher training. Um, And then I went back to Prescott, Arizona, did a year of college there. And then I had some other family death. So I moved to Connecticut to help out my grandmother for six months, helped open a studio there, managed the teachers, um, trained the deskies. Um, That was really (laughs) fun. So Uh you've had a
1: lot of experience just with yoga. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so you're back in Connecticut. Yeah. or back in Boston in Connecticut. Oh, at in that Connecticut. Point. That, okay. And yeah. then, how do you um, end up in Los Angeles?
0: had another man. So, <laughs> okay. um, sensing I sensing a theme here. Yes. I wanted to be somewhere warm and sunny, and I had I was dating somebody long distance in Arizona, and then I went back to Arizona for like six or seven weeks, and then he wanted to. He's a, he's a DJ, and he wanted to be in LA for his music. Okay. Um, and that was. Oh, such a hot mess of a relationship. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. He was a meth addict, still yeah. is, um, and it was. Uh, he went to rehab, and then um, there was like, it just it was it was a mess. Um,
1: yeah, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, but uh, when we broke up, I, I didn't want to immediately move because I was like, okay. Um, I call it pulling geographics. I kept moving. I've moved obviously a lot in my adult life. And it hasn't been that long. And I was just really unhappy inside. And no matter where I went, I was still going to be unhappy inside. And I didn't really realize that. And I don't think a lot of people do that that move like that. I I really thought about whether I was going to leave LA or not. And then yoga stuff kind of started working out. And I'm a successful LA yoga teacher. Um, If you're like talking about, you know, being successful locally.
1: Right. And, so, you know, you, you guys broke up and you thought about leaving. Yeah. But, but like there was something sort of pulling you to stay here. And was it, was it yoga? I mean, were you getting jobs? Or?
0: <laughs> Part of it was I had comfortable jobs. So I was okay. like, okay, I have some modicum of success here. Mostly, I just really like a lot of things about L.A. Yeah. Um, which I never thought I would, but it is usually warm and sunny. Of course, I'm talking now, and it's <laughs> been very cold. Yeah, it's been a cold winter. Um, but I have this amazing apartment, and um, I I go out dancing a lot. There's yeah. lots of music. Um, I love electronic music. I go out all the time. Right. Um, I have uh like a great. I have three therapists that I see here. I have a couple support groups that I have here. I'm like really diving into that right now. Um, And I don't want to leave that process. And uh, I love I'm in Los Feliz. I love that neighborhood. Um, I can go hiking really easily. Yeah. Um. Thing I have great friends here. I you know I have a partner and I'm in open relationships. I have some other partners here. Yeah. Um. So it's all kind of like. LA is just working for me right now. Yeah. Yeah. But not really because of the. (laughs) <laughs> the yoga's a piece of it, but it's right. mostly everything else.
1: I mean, I was just thinking, I, I'm from Ohio, but I, I do feel like your friends sort of become your family. Are you close to your family? Because I just, I feel like your friends out here end up becoming your family.
0: Um, it's interesting that you say that. Uh Like, just really briefly, I did mention that I had some childhood trauma, and so I'm in these therapy programs, and I did, like, a no contact with my family, Hmm. Um, and I'm now speaking to four of them, sort of one at a time. I kind of told myself, if I can't tell you the truth of what my childhood was, then I can't have a relationship with you. Right. Um, And so I'm sort of, like, telling people one at a time and inviting them back in if they want to be back in my life. Um, So, no, I'm not. I have a brother that I'm very close to, who I love. Um he does not he lives he's a professional opera singer so he's kind of always living somewhere wow. else. Yeah. Um but we really love each other and that's definitely he's been a rock in my life. Um But I I'm not super close to my family. It's mostly my friends. Yeah. out here. And your brother. And my brother. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. I'm curious and you don't have to answer the question but How did you come to the agreement of having like an an open relationship? Was that challenging or was that (laughs) was that sort of an easy thing to come by?
0: Um, So I'm very lucky. So you've had Eric on this podcast uh before. Um, Eric and I both have the same view on polyamory, which is that um, love is not a finite resource you have the ability to give as much love to as many people as you want to. Hmm. Um, And the only finite resource that you really have in terms of a relationship is time. And so um, right now, Eric is my main partner. And so we spend a lot of time together. But... uh, you know, there have been times when he has like had a lot of people on, we call them side pieces. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, there's a great song with, um, God, what the hell is his name? Too Short. Have you heard the song Side Pieces? Oh my God. I wish I could play it on the air, but I, I can't. <laughs> We're playing it after the show. Okay. Everybody, you have to listen to the song Side Pieces by Too Short. Okay. It's so fucking good. I mean, it's really raunchy. Oh, and actually, G. Easy sings on it as well. Okay, yeah, All right. we're gonna listen to that after the show. All right, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, So anyway,
0: well, basically, me and Eric, like, we both knew that we wanted to have an open relationship from the beginning. Yeah, uh, we and that's we're absurdly compatible. Um, we have so much in common and so many similar values. Yeah. Um, so there was no question about whether we were gonna have a closed relationship. Um, there have been times when we're like ugh maybe for 3 weeks we'll try it and both of us are like cringing yeah um we don't really have interest in a close relationship either of us yeah um and then the people that i see on the side um most of them don't really want a relationship they just mm. want to have sex yeah um and this i idea that like going around and dating um, and just having casual sex is a waste of time unless you think you're going to marry them is, like, bullshit to me. Right. I mean, what better use of your time do you have than having sex with someone when it's fun for two hours? Like, whether you have a relationship outside of the bedroom or not. Right. Like, Eric says this. He's like, I'm of the radical belief that sex is actually a good thing. And I agree with him on that. Yeah. Um, so I feel like that was really roundabout. But it wasn't even a matter of coming into it. We just both wanted to be in an open relationship.
1: I don't know. There's a lot of people that can probably, like, you can bring joy to, bring love yeah. to, and I'm not saying that you know, you're know, you selling yourself short if you're only with one person, because obviously that one person you're with is going to receive all of that. But wouldn't it be great if you could somehow figure out a way in, in your life to give that awesome, loving energy to, excuse me, I'm burping, lots of people, um, not just your partner.
0: I agree. And I think that where a lot of people run into a problem is... Um, they say jealousy, and for me, like jealousy is a marker emotion that I'm not getting my needs fulfilled. So, for example, if you're eating a plate of food, if we're talking about like brainstem, reptilian brain, where this all come, well, really mammalian brain, if you're eating a plate of food and I'm starving, I'm gonna be really jealous of your plate of food. But if like you know you've already served, if if I've already been served food, I'm not jealous of it. Um, hmm. So in terms of like polyamory, open relationships, being a yoga teacher. If you are feeling jealous in any relationship, friendship... I mean, I've definitely been jealous when a teacher gives somebody else a million adjustments and I don't get one. Right. Um, it's because my I don't feel like my plate, my proverbial plate has been filled. Um,
1: so how do you fill your plate?
0: I'm very communicative. And I will literally say to Eric, I want some attention. Yeah. You know? And if I start to feel what feels like jealousy... I will kind of like take a step back and I'll look at it and usually it's that I just I just want something that I'm not that that person is getting and I'll say it. Yeah. And I'll I'll say to I will, you know, Eric is kind of the example, but I'll say like, "Hey, you know, can we have a date night?" Yeah. Um, can we make some time together? And that's obviously not a lot nicer for him to hear than like, "I'm jealous of that girl you're with." Because like then we'd have to have that whole conversation. It would be tough. But I can just come to him and say, hey, you know, can you do this? And um, I've gone up to teachers and said like, hey, I really love adjustments. Could I have some more (laughs) adjustments in the future? Yeah. Um, And people tend to take that a lot better than you're not doing this or I'm upset about this. Um, When I figure out what I need, I just say it, Um, which turns a lot of people off. But those aren't the people I want in my life anyway.
1: Right. So I do want to ask you about um, Instagram. I do find that, you know, you don't post, like, at least since I've started following you in the last, like, few months, you know, I don't see, like, the the model-y, perfectly posed photos, like, one after the other. At least I don't... Yeah, I don't do that. Do you feel like you should? Or do you feel like you are, you know less of a yoga teacher or do you feel like, I mean, do you have dreams of being repped by Aloe Yoga or something? Is that sort of like, um, I don't know what, what's sort of your goal and do you feel like, um, as a yoga teacher, what's your goal and and do you feel pressured that you should be doing something different on Instagram or, you know, it's kind of a two part question.
0: Um, so many parts. Yeah. So, uh, in terms of like getting into Instagram, I didn't have one for a really long time. Um, and actually Yoga Vibe, I'd been teaching for them subbing for a couple of years. And I was like, look, I have people that come to my classes specifically. I get better numbers than the regular teacher. Why haven't you hired me full time? said it a little differently than that. And they sure. said, you don't have a social media presence. Oh, so that I got said that. pissed off and I almost quit. But then I was like, I'll try it. I'll see what happens. Um, and my friend is a marketing coach for spiritual professionals. And she uses Instagram as a tool for life coaching and self-discovery. So she gave me all these writing assignments that really helped me figure out who I am and and what my goals are in life through this medium of Instagram. Um, and we we talked a lot and I said, you know, here's what I don't want to be. You know, I don't want to be that person posting up those posed pictures all the time. Yeah. And I do sometimes, but not all the time. And then I kind of got into like, well, what do you want to be? Um, And so I share a lot of really personal stuff on my Instagram In my comments. I spent a really long time... You know, when I am on my game, I spend about two hours a week writing what I'm going to put in my comments. Hmm. Um, and I, I really do put my heart into that. Um, so I don't really have a goal of being repped by Aloe Yoga. If they wanted to rep me, I wouldn't say no. Sure. Um, but it's not something that I go for because it's not something that I want. The people that do go for that, I find are the ones that are very attention starved. They're very jealous because they haven't asked for what they need. Um, and so they they need those likes. You know, they need those people to follow them because that's what their self-worth is. Yeah. Um, and it's very sad to me that they don't have more self-worth. Um, and it used to be anger-inducing that all these people would have all these like likes and followers. And then I realized that's their life goal. Like yeah. literally some people's life goal or career goal at least is to have X thousand followers x thousand likes per day and have aloe yoga reach out to them and ask them if they can you know be on their pro list and you know basically aloe yoga will probably reach out and be like we'll give you a five percent discount you know it's just like that's literally their goal
1: when i see a yoga teacher just doing nothing but posting perfect photos all the time i can't help but think the negativity, the negativity, the, the depression, the anxiety, these posts are actually contributing to the problem. I can never prove that, but I just think when people are staring at nothing but pretty photos all the time on a platform and your brain's... Although you and I could go to the movies and it could be like a really violent Quentin Tarantino movie we will know that it's a violent movie and Mm -hmm. we know that it's not real but our brains are going to receive all of that as though it's real and we're going to emotionally respond to it in a way like it was real Mm -hmm. and the same thing is happening with instagram if you are doing nothing but looking at people that look perfect and happy and pretty all the time if you have any sort of insecurities you are going, that small insecurity is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger, and it's going to grow, and it's going to be like moss or like a plant or like Pacassandra, and like in the Midwest, it just grows out of control. And that's what's happening with our culture. And I just felt like I can't follow people that just do that all the time. And that's why I really liked you a lot. So, my question is. Um, do you agree that Instagram is having this sort of negative effect on our culture and and we're sort of not really wanting to talk about it?
0: I am a hundred percent sure that within the next hundred years, hopefully very soon, (laughs) Uh people are going to look back and they're going to be like, Eddie was right. Yeah, I do. I completely agree. Um, I think that social media culture in general is problematic. And I think that Instagram being almost completely based on photos and what you see visually is problematic. I think that it is um, and this whole culture of getting likes too, also problematic, you know, because you're not just scrolling through and seeing the photo. You're seeing how many likes that photo gets and you're feeling shitty because you didn't get that many people that liked you. Um, and if you could only be that perfect, maybe you would get that. So I completely agree that it's a really bad medium. It's not good. Um,
1: it's funny. I said something similar to Eric when he was on. And he basically just sort of like brushed it off as like it's cell phones uh, or it's like just technology. But I I just I think Instagram has taken it to another level of like addiction and and playing into the emotions and and like the cell phone itself. um, Yeah. I mean, like we have this device that we can sort of like look at and it buzzes and it beeps, but the, the platform itself of Instagram, I feel like it's playing with the emotions and the, and here's, what's really fucked up. I, I, I paid for uh, I paid a post maybe like a couple months ago, um, a, an interview because I just wanted to see if more people would yeah, listen to yeah. it. And I've noticed ever since I did that, I'm not getting as many likes and views. Yeah. And I feel like they're doing that because they want me to pay and spend money so I can get like so I spend money on a promotion again. I'm and I, sure that they do that. Yeah, I just and and I just think all of this. I think Instagram is playing with. Um, they're playing with our our minds.
0: It's you're so right, and and I know that I listened to Eric's podcast, and he does, and you know, like you've been over this, but a lot of it is that the algorithm is like people think that reach is organic, you know, and even if they they know kind of that it's not. When you're scrolling through your feed, you don't realize that there's actually like a lot of mathematics behind why you're seeing what you're seeing and how much money has gone into it. Yeah, and so like we don't realize that. Not only are these people, like, getting all these likes, but it's not, it's artificial.
1: I think I remember messaging you on Instagram, and you were sort of like... Um, I forget the context, but it was something like, uh, yeah, I'll email me or phone me, but I kind of leave my phone on do not disturb like all day. I mean, yeah. Why do you, why do you do that?
0: Um, I don't like having my phone on me. I'm kind of a technophobe. Um, I'm actually really bad at technology. I'm not very good at, at figuring it out. It's not intuitive to me and I don't like it. Yeah. I don't feel good when I'm on it. Um, so I will regularly just leave my phone at home and not even have it on me. And then when I'm at home, um, my time is sacred to me. And so if someone like texts me or calls me and they expect me to get back to them immediately, it's kind of like, fuck you. Cause what they're saying to me is like, actually my time is more valuable than yours. So when I want to reach out, you should be available and you should text me back really soon yeah um and this happens with dating all the time that it takes me a couple days to respond to a text and people get upset about it um and i just started giving a caveat but that i just don't i don't text back very soon um
1: well i will say the cell phones you know going to what sort of eric was talking about the cell phones have created a problem because it it makes us feel like everything should be instantaneous yeah you know you know instagram to me is a whole other level of emotionality and 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 tricking us and playing with us and making us insecure and anxious but the cell phone and like the email you know that sort of created a world where we sort of expect things to happen instantaneously you know did you feel like you were sort of getting drawn in and addicted and, and you just need to take a break and, and, and or you just sort of know it's good for you to just not have your phone on all the time?
0: I think I've always kind of known that.
1: Yeah.
0: I think I've always been the person that just doesn't want to, like, you know, hang out and take Instagram photos of her food. I've just never been that person that wanted to do that. Now, that being said, we all kind of have that thing we binge on. And for me, it's like, um, documentaries about cults <laughs> about, what? about cults about like cults. religious cult, okay. cults um, so I there's definitely things that I can't shut down when I start but um, I know what my rabbit hole is and so I don't go near that rabbit hole very often
1: yeah
0: um, but I do sometimes and I get some enjoyment out of it because and I don't entirely understand the brain chemistry of it but you know being on something like Instagram you do get this, these you know, receptors in your brain and it releases a bit of dopamine every time you see the next photo. And so you do actually get physically addicted to it. Yeah. This is scientifically proven. Um, and I'm not sure if it's dopamine or serotonin or what happy feeling or you know oxytocin, whatever happy hormone that happens to be your chemical. I don't even know what they are. But this is a physical problem. Like People do actually get physically addicted to Instagram. And the problem, like you said, is that what we're seeing on Instagram is this perfection all the time. And then comparing it to real life is problematic. Like, and it's funny because yoga is kind of the antidote because we can get those same hormones from doing yoga. And so people can get addicted to doing yoga, but it's actually good for you. Um, mm. But yeah, Instagram, I, I do think that it is an unhealthy addiction. And it's just like any other addiction that's socially accepted, uh, like drinking, socially accepted addiction, you mm. know? Um smoking cigarettes fairly socially accepted addiction. Um sex addiction if you're a man totally socially acceptable. Yeah. I don't know that I have a point with this per se, um but it is something that I've noticed.
1: Yeah, no, I just I I wanted to ask you because I remember you mentioning again, I don't remember the context, but I just remember you mentioning something in response to what I asked you. Whether it was a phone call that I want. Maybe it was that phone call that I want. I think it was the phone yeah, call. Yeah, it was just like, you know, yeah, I, you keep my phone, I keep my phone and do not disturb, just letting you know. So just put up, let's just set up a time to talk and blah, yeah. blah, blah. Um, so I just, I wanted to ask you about that. Um,
0: I, yeah, I honestly, it's that I value my time, you know? Yeah. And I think that the people that are going on Instagram and going through constantly are not valuing their time. Um, And they're, you know, trying to respond within five minutes. It's like, why?
1: Yeah. You know? Well, I think for me, my, my epiphany was like about a year ago, year and a half, I, I started following this marketing person and it, it was sort of about what you need to do to get more followers, make money through Instagram and mm-hmm. more flash, more time, more videos. And I'm sort of like, why am I doing that when I'm an artist, I'm creative, I need to be using my time doing those things writing, singing, DJing. Even there's a creative aspect to teaching yoga as well. Mm-hmm. And, and those are the things that I find the most joy from. Mm-hmm. Of course, I'm going to use Instagram to promote my podcast. But if my free time is spent scrolling, staring at useless photos, let's face it, primarily yeah. they are. Yeah. Let's be real. Most of the things we look at on Instagram are a waste of time. I need to be doing something more with my time. And so I just consciously made a decision and i never felt like i was addicted to it but i just realized those moments whether it's like sitting on the couch for a half hour 15 minutes um in line at the post office i mean if you're constantly filling those those times of of where the brain has the moment to like think for itself yearn Mm -hmm. feel creative you know think about a special moment in your life. I mean, those moments are important because they inspire you and they inspire you to create and make a phone call and talk Mm -hmm. to somebody. And, and all of those moments now are being filled with looking at stupid photos on Instagram.
0: I, I just kind of want to invite like everybody who's listening to this podcast to track for a week, how many minutes you've spent on social media Yeah. or even separately, how many minutes you spent doing things on your phone that weren't necessary. Yeah. You know, and and like writing work emails, I would not put into that category. But when we look at that and then we multiply it by how many weeks we have in a year and how many years we have in our life, we spend an ungodly amount of time doing that.
1: Yeah, I know.
0: For most of us, when we start scrolling, the time goes by, we think it's been 60 seconds and it's actually been 60 minutes. (laughs) Yes. Um, And I think it's really important for somebody to get out there and say like, hey, this is what's happening.
1: Yeah. Well, I've just... One of my friends is a minimalist and she sort of presented to me different minimalism books. And I'm never, I don't think I'm going to be extreme because I love technology. It helps me write and it mm-hmm. helps me record music and it creates this podcast. And, you know, obviously I use technology when I'm DJing. It's, it, it has provided so much joy eased in my life. Um, it makes things easier. But I think we just need to keep... Being more aware of the things that we're absorbing and not wasting our time. So, Did
0: you hear about um, the CRISPR baby? No. So CRISPR is a technique for resequencing genomes and it is nowhere near ready for human use um, and nowhere near ready. And they were actually going to have this conference somewhere in Europe where a bunch of scientists were going to get together and say like, okay, how can we do this safely on human embryos? And what is the ethical concern behind this? And somebody in China did it to uh, two um, embryos, mm-hmm. changed, sequenced the genome in this technique that has not been around long enough to know whether it's safe or not for humans And like doing on a carrot is just really different, or on a bacteria, which is kind of like where we're at right now. Right. But he did it on babies, and then the babies were born, and he announced this through YouTube. I mean, the entire scientific community was like, "What the fuck? This is so wrong." Um, And I was listening to a podcast about it with Eric, and somebody on the podcast said, "You know, it's whether or not we should resequence the human genome." we can, you Hmm. know? So whether or not it's a good idea, we can already do that. And that's how I feel about most technology, including Instagram. Like whether or not we should have made this platform that was completely based on pictures. And I mean, you know, somebody probably could have stepped back and said this endless scrolling is going to be really bad for people, really bad for the brain, really bad for the emotions. But nobody did that because there wasn't time. Because with all this new technology, it's just like going, going, going. And there's no... There's no
1: break. And that's the thing. I don't want to sound negative, but gosh, it's hard for me to be positive when, you know, you and I can talk about it. You turn your phone off. I turn it off. I'm writing. I'm talking. But I think teenagers, that's the world they're growing up in. Yeah, And so, you know, they're... There's people in their 20s, teenagers, that feel as though to measure up, they need to be happy and post like sexy photos on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And they're like fucking 16 years old or something. And imagine growing up in this world now. So that's just something that sort of worries me a little bit sometimes.
0: I mean, I would agree. It is worrisome. I grew up without a TV in my home. My parents are very much like there's sticks in the backyard if you want to go play. (laughs) Um, You know, like, yeah, there was never a question of whether we were going to get cable. I mean. I remember we got a TV when I was like, oh my gosh, it was a black and white TV and I was born in the mid nineties. So it was a yeah. black and white TV and we had bunny ears and my brother would like when we did get it, my brother would make me hold the bunny ears. So we could get <laughs> like three channels that were right. Um But you know, it's, it's, I don't think it's negative per se. I think it's just sad. Yeah. Um. And the negativity is, is, I mean, this idea of being a negative is when you get, too focused on the sadness and you can't see the positive which is obviously not you. Right. Um but yeah, it's it's very sad that these people are going these teenagers are seeing people like Cardi B blow up really because she just had this Instagram following and did a lot of weird shit on there. Yeah. Um and like there's a lot of YouTube stars where I'm yeah, just like, all of it. like how why are you famous?
1: Well, I want to end by, um, I, you know, I've just been talking, I'm just thinking about all of this stuff. I I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not a doctor. Um, I just think I created the podcast because I'm writing a book and it's sort of a satire about how fucked up our culture is because we're paying attention to sort of the wrong things. That's all Mm -hmm. I'm really going to say about the book. Um, but I do, I had you on because I really was like so blown away at, at, at who you are as a yoga teacher, the energy. I love that you, every, as I said earlier in the podcast, and I'll end it by complimenting you again. It's Thank just,
0: you. no, I just,
1: I really, I think it's hard to um, stand out without like ripping off all your clothes on Instagram and do you know what I mean? Yes, but I have ripped off all my clothes on Instagram. <laughs> oh, that's right.
0: you did, actually. Oh my god, that's right. You
1: did. You showed off your ass. Like, that's right. That was really a funny story. Like, I think I posted. <laughs> you I,
0: you messaged me about it. Yeah, I posted I, um, like a
1: snarky little comment about yeah. like, unless you're naked on Instagram, I don't want to be your friend.
0: And then I posted up two naked
1: <laughs> and photos. Then, like next like an hour later. So, no, but I feel like an hour later, I was scrolling, or maybe it was right like at the same time. At the same
0: time, I looked yeah. and there was your ass. I do. You know, I'm, it's funny. I uh I was I thought you kind of like sent me a little email about what we're gonna talk about and I was like, I wonder if he's gonna ask me about the naked photos and what am I gonna say? Yeah, I forgot um, about that. I just I just don't, you know, have a problem posting up my naked butt and um you know, I do think it's beautiful and I like seeing naked women. Yeah so that's kinda why I posted it up. Um and kind of also as an experiment, you know, see how many likes I get. Yeah. See what happens. Did your life
1: change after posting your? Oh husband? yeah, it did. I found myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's weird, like I, you know. Obviously, there's nothing wrong with nudity, and I and I, you know, Playboy's great, and and I just I I do feel though when it's sort of this type of platform where it's like a social media platform, and it's just like your friends and you start seeing your friends post posting ass shots i somehow i do th- not for me but i do think the younger people are they feel like huh that person is better because she's comfortable showing her ass off as opposed to the people that aren't i i just i've spoken to a friend's niece and she had that response like there's more glory if you're comfortable Showing your ass off on Instagram, and I just think that's kind of hysterical.
0: I do think it's hysterical, but I do think there's some truth to being okay with your body. Yeah, and definitely. Posting it. Um, where I run into what really pisses me off is when someone puts a quote that's not theirs, that's inspirational, under a naked photo that's perfectly posed. That's the part where I'm like, okay, right. that's problematic. Um, but I would love it if people posted up more nudes on Instagram. It would just make it. It would humanize the entire thing.
1: Interesting.
0: I think it would be great if everyone was I just don't feel
1: comfortable posting my ass on Instagram.
0: A lot of people don't um, because I get a lot of negativity from it. I do. Um, And I get a lot of people that slide into my DMs, especially when I post pictures of my feet, you know, that want me to send them naked photos all the time. Interesting. Um, But part of what I am selling as my brand is the fitness side of it. Mm -hmm. And so um, like... People see me as the teacher, and they want to be like me because this is what I'm offering. Um, and so, I do think there's some validity in in posting up like uh, like when personal trainers do like before and after of their muscles. Yeah. Um. But in terms of the nudity, I just I don't know. I, don't know. I just maybe I'm just an exhibitionist. Maybe that's why I don't have
1: problems. Well, with it's it. funny, but you you talk about like you know people wanting likes and or they're craving the likes. I mean, I, we're. I mean, it's, are you hiding behind just saying it was an experiment? Or did you actually like really, not that you need, but did you want some attention that day maybe? I don't know. Or
0: um, I, Interesting question. Um, maybe there was. I hadn't thought about it that way. I, I, I don't know that there was necessarily a part of me that was thinking I want attention and that's why I did it. But I did enjoy the attention I got from it.
1: Yeah, um, I'm and sure nice. you did. Yeah,
0: um, and I'm trying to think of like what I do when I want attention. Um,
1: and it's interesting. Go ahead.
0: I I honestly usually just ask somebody I'm sleeping with to come over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, but yeah, I would say that I I did enjoy I do enjoy getting a lot of likes, even on like a broader broader scale than just those nude pictures. Overall, I do enjoy getting a lot of likes. Even though I don't um, do Instagram for that reason, I do enjoy it when I get it.
1: I'm I, I, I trying to remember my point. I guess I certainly but I don't feel comfortable taking my shirt off or showing my ass off on Instagram. Although I, I know that I, but does that mean that I'm not as confident as the people that do? I mean, I don't know. Or, or they actually not confident, but they're posting those photos because they want that attention or maybe it's just part of their brand or maybe they've always been up since a lot of yoga teachers used to be models or actors. They're just comfortable. Um, showing off their body on a social platform maybe they just don't even think about it Um, i
0: don't think they think about it yeah i think that most of the people that are doing that they don't consciously say in their head like oh i'm gonna get extra likes from this and it's kind of fucked up you know but because you actually think things through you're in a different category right like you are actually trying to help the world you're not just trying to help yourself Um, But a lot of people that are in that category I think they forget that it's okay To want to be beautiful Um, And I Though I do think that women are equal to men I would not say that I'm a feminist And I have a lot of problems with the feminist movement All waves of them And and one of the first feminist movements was like No makeup whatsoever Hmm. And I kind of get like be happy with what you have And I usually don't wear any makeup Um, And if I do it's usually very light But on the other hand like men and women alike, they want to feel beautiful, they want to look beautiful, um, and I think that it's okay to you know wear makeup in that context now, if you feel naked without it and like you have no worth without it, that's different. So if you were to post up a nude photo on Instagram and think that that's your only worth is how good your body looks, then that's problematic right but if you 're posting it up because you're like, you know what i'm really feeling my arms today, and I'm really proud of them. And, you know, you can write in the comments something like, I'm just feeling really good about myself. And I want to show that off to the world. I think that's okay.
1: Yeah. I think when I see a person doing nothing but posting photos with their shirt off, or they're like nine times out of 10 showing off their ass, then I just to me, it screams of just incredible insecurity. Like for you, when you post one photo of your ass, and like the other twenty or thirty or forty are like kind of just you just chilling or whatever, that doesn't scream me it's cats, yeah, <laughs> or, or cats. That to me doesn't scream insecurity. To me, when they're doing that, it's it's clearly trying to manipulate people to feel the sexuality, or they're trying to get attention, or I think that they don't think there's much there besides their body, and that's why I think these platforms are so problematic because they're promoting, because most people are spending so much time on them, they're promoting the visual, the depth of, you know, I was reading somewhere where it's so important to see somebody's eyes when you're talking to them. You know, like you you move your hands, your body language. I mean, you know, when I asked you a question and you were like thinking about it, it's like those things are so valuable to getting to know somebody and and experiencing them, and sure, like you know Instagram has its place, but it's rewiring our brains, it's taking the place of of what's important and and people are placing value on things that just really aren't that important mm-hmm. and and so we're all being so when I see somebody who does nothing but shows pictures of their ass or has to be in front of a waterfall and handstand all the time. What I see is insecurity. What I see is screaming for attention. What I see is somebody who is actually creating more harm than good. In my opinion, Mm -hmm. when I see somebody like you who does one photo of her ass out of every 50, I don't, I see somebody who on that particular day was experiencing something. I don't know what it was. It doesn't ultimately matter, but She wanted to explore those feelings for that day or that moment. So I just I think there's a big difference there, but unfortunately these platforms are not. People aren't thinking about it like I am, I guess, maybe. I don't know.
0: I agree with that. I think, you know, you have to ask yourself who is your audience, right? Like, ideally, the people that we want listening to this podcast are the ones posting up 50 nudes that are insecure, but they're so not self aware that they're probably not going to, at the first time we mention this, you know, five minutes in after you're done cutting everything up, they'd be like, I can't listen to this, right? Right. Because it's too close to home for them, unfortunately. Um, And inherently, every once in a while, I don't think that it would be wrong to try and get attention and validation from an Instagram post. Um, But the problem is that just doesn't work. Yeah, And so part of the reason why I think these people post post after post after post of their naked body is that they're not actually getting anything out of it because that little moment of getting this many likes from your photo, it's a very small moment in your brain and you lose that rush of endorphins really quickly and you go back to your feeling of insecurity because you didn't deal with what was on the inside. And then all these people that are, you know, yoga is all about healing what's on your inside. They're not fucking doing that. They're trying to heal these outer emotions and it's it's not effective. And so not only are the people who are looking at this feeling insecure and awful because they think that that's working, um, but the people that are posting are just as miserable.
1: Yeah. What you teach at a... Um, you said like it was a rehab or I, a teacher rehab. Center. So what's, what's that like? I mean, that must here. Okay. So just to end the podcast and just again to compliment you, um, you know, I, there's obviously some studios where people are just going there for just the physical aspects to look good. And, you know, there's some yoga teachers in the world that just, you know, they love that world and that's great. And, and you teach, a, you know, a couple of those studios or at least one of them. But you obviously have supplemented that with, and I think you probably are teaching there for a lot of reasons, but clearly your past has sort of made you realize the value of yoga. But why mm-hmm. did you teach? What's the name of the center and, and why do you teach there? And, and just tell me how amazing it must be. Te- <laughs> or I, I just, well, what's it like teaching there?
0: Uh, it's called La Fuente. Okay. Um and it's all LGBTQ uh patients there's nobody who doesn't identify like that that gets uh treatment there. Um and I mean this it really kind of goes back to why I teach yoga at all and that's to cultivate more fun in people's lives. Hmm. Um and so I teach a class that's pretty basics uh pretty basic. I give a lot of um physical cues um, and I talk about a lot of sensations in their body, just kind of bringing people, as we said, that break from the rest of their life, kind right. of just into a nice space. Um, and at that point, I'm I'm really just using yoga um, to uh, give people a moment to relax, yeah. um, to give people a moment to check out. Because people can check out on Instagram. People can check out, for example, these people are checking out with drugs or alcohol. And I can give them an experience where they get to check out in a really healthy way. And checking out is not inherently unhealthy. It's a very useful coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. Um and like I don't need to get into the science, but if you look into like, you know, dissociation and stuff and how that works in the brain, people need to just kind of check out for a moment. It just yeah. it's a mechanism. Um and we have to decide what we check out with. So, um I have this it's it's wonderful that I get to cultivate for These men, women, and gender non-specific people or non-binary people, um, an hour of their day, where they just get to have some fun and relax.
1: Yeah,
0: Um, and you know we have more purpose in the world than being skinny and making money, and we lose we lose track of that a lot. But in yoga, if we're teaching it right, we can give people the opportunity to move away from that and find one of our two what I think are the two real purposes which is being yourself and having fun doing it um, so that's that's really how I feel I can benefit people who are going through 12 step treatment
1: yeah you do something really interesting in class I remember you were like at one point you just told people to walk around the room and just start introducing yourself like halfway or 45 minutes into class which I had never experienced and what's, what's that all about?
0: Um, this is less so in California, but it's really apparent in other states, um, at least in LA, I don't know, but other cities, people go into a yoga class and they don't say hi to anybody on the way in or the way out. And there's no sense of kula. There's no community. Um, and, uh, what I usually have people do in class is take a moment to give somebody a high five just to give and receive some encouragement i usually say give some words of encouragement yeah um like you're fucking awesome or you can do this right um to really both give that and receive it and then to meet somebody new um and like touch another human you know and interact with them on a human to human level well, yeah i've um, really
1: responded to that i think it's great thanks i i i'm scared to incorporate it into my class but i'm going to try it one day
0: the easiest way if, it, you know, for you or anybody else, else that teaches, um, that's listening is to simply like right before your peak sequence, just say, uh, and now turn to your neighbor, give him a high five. Turn to your other neighbor, give him a high five. Getting people off their mats and talking is like, you kind of have to feel.
1: Let me you know, ask though, I'm, all of a sudden I'm just playing devil's advocate because I just thought about this. I mean, some people are going to class. To not have any sort of human interaction whatsoever. Like they've had it all day. And maybe that's the last thing they actually wanted that. I'm, I'm not. I no, just, totally. Yeah. Some
0: people are going to hate it. Yeah. I can't please everyone. Right. And if you've had a really long, hard day of unpleasant interaction, if you can authentically interact with someone who's just as tired and just as sweaty and just as confused and give them a high five, that's a pretty positive way to interact with someone. Sure. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people don't like that. And I don't have packed classes because what I teach is very specific, you know. And if I taught like the more generic yoga class that is kind of, you don't really get a lot out of it, but it's trying to please everyone, I'd get more students. Right. Um, but I just don't mm-hmm. care. Yeah. You know, I don't need everyone to like me.
1: You're really cool.
0: Thanks. That's
1: would yeah. really cool thing. No. Um, so, uh, God, we can... I mean, this Q is long. forever. We could talk... About, yeah, but I really want people to hear this uh, episode because I just think you're... Um, I'm trying to introduce people. I, you know, I'm far from it, but I, I, I do feel like I want to bring more awareness to cool people in Los Angeles. I love this city. Mm-hmm. I'm from Ohio. Yeah, I just... I want to bring um, some more awareness to some cool people in this city and I just it's going to take time I mean this podcast is still pretty young but I just feel like you're worth knowing
0: thank you so
1: um, Ray Sharfman can be found on Instagram R-A-E and then it's S-C-H-A-R-F-M-A-N M-A-N? she teaches at Y you'll see her ass like every like every <laughs> few <photos. laughs> every few months or so um, but oh my god there's another helicopter I wonder if they're circling That might be what's going on. Um, Well, so you can be you can be found on Instagram at Ray Mm -hmm. Sharfman, R A E S C H A R F M A N. You can see her ass every like few weeks. (laughs) She teaches at Y Seven in Silver Lake, and I think you're also now Mm -hmm. at the West Hollywood location. And it's kind of a a testament to how good of a yoga teacher you are, because I get the sense that you're already like one of the mentees, or like you're sort of helping the teachers there already.
0: Yeah, I'm already (laughs) assisting and leading. They're called Tribe Refresh Sessions, but the teacher trainings that they do every three months. Okay. So, wow. Okay. Yeah.
1: And you teach at Wanderlust. Mm-hmm. You're not there as often, though.
0: No, I'm there twice a week. Twice a yeah. week. And I'm at Y7 three times a
1: week. Y7. And then you. I feel like you... What's the deal with this goat place?
0: Oh, the goat place. It's all over LA. Anybody who's listening, forget the other ones. Go do Goat Yoga. It's the best
1: one. Goat Yoga.
0: <laughs> so it's called Hello Critter Care. They do a couple events a month. Um, basically, you just get to do yoga with adorable baby goats crawling all over you. Okay, It's awesome. Okay, um, It's so much fun. I love it so much. It's my favorite place that I teach, bar none. Oh, cool. Um, How many she, days a week are you there? It depends. Sometimes I'll teach five classes in a week, and sometimes I won't teach any for a month. Wow. It just depends on what events she has coming up, private and public. depends she on the availability of the goats. Yes. <laughs> and the goats, oh, I love the goats. That's They're so cool. cute. They're great. Yeah. Um, so that would be where I'd recommend people come find me in person.
1: And if you're not like teaching yoga, you're probably at sound nightclub, like just dancing. And, and...
0: <laughs> when I'm not teaching yoga. Yeah. Sound nightclub. I go there all the time. You'll probably find me. I always have crazy hair. <laughs> um, and uh, I walk my cat on a leash. So thank I'll be you. in Los Feliz That's with a so kitty cool. on a leash. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, um, Ray, thank you so much for coming on the show.
0: Thank you so much for having me. Yes. This is great. I
1: appreciate it. I got to get to the television and see this car chase that's going on, like, right by our <laughs> neighborhood right now. And it's all that. No. But I really appreciate you talking, taking the time, because obviously, you know, this was a couple hours, and um, yeah, it's, it's been really, I'm so, you're like, it's it's cool that we met through Instagram. Yeah. I mean, I know we met yeah. at Y7. So we're actually a case in point where good things actually can come yeah. from Instagram yeah. and the insanity of social media. Um, But thanks, everybody, for listening this week. Definitely check out Ray at Y7 or Wanderlust. And um, as always, thanks for listening to the show.